Welcome to School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we'll bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest level of performance in your own lives. Thank you for joining us today and let the lesson begin. Welcome to another episode of School of Performance, episode 18 with Glenn Gravengard. A good friend of mine, we've known each other for years. Um, this whole project, his purpose is to give positive value to our viewers and whoever joins us now and who will watch this in the future. And um, here we go. Yeah, Glenn, how are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? <laughs> good to see you, man. It's been, it's been a while. I know. <laughs> it's the first one we're doing in English, which is exciting. And you get that, you get that, uh, you get that privilege and right, and I get that, that right to... Uh, to interview you and work with you a little bit. Because I only know English. <laughs> Wait, what language in the Philippines? Are like? I may sound stupid here, but what language are you speaking in the Philippines? Oh, Filipino. But Filipino. There's, like yeah. so many, there's so many dialects, man. Oh, really? 100. Is it like Chinese where it's like Mandarin? Really? Yeah, there's 150 dialects, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you go about that? I just, I don't know. one? <laughs> you just got one that you know, and then you just got one. No, I only know Tagalog. Well, my mom speaks Ilongo. It's called Ilongo. That's but, so cool. I never knew that. But honestly, I don't, I don't even know that much. That, that much stuff, you know. And then what? Each area has its own dialect, and it goes by location. Yeah. That's crazy. See, I already learned something, man. We haven't even started. So yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, and uh, for those I know you personally, but um. For those that, that will join us here and will watch us in the future, who is Glenn Gravengard? Who, who am I? <laughs> the, question, the question we all want to know throughout our lives. Um, uh, where do I start? I, well, I was born and raised in Vancouver. Um, I am the youngest of three, so I have a brother and a sister. And then I, my mom, she's Filipino, uh, so single mom. Uh, grew up grew up without a father. Um, part part German, part Filipino. Um, background. I think the biggest thing for me um, that had the hugest impact on my life was basketball. So um, I played. I I started playing basketball when I was about nine or ten, and um, I went to John Oliver Secondary School, and um, our school wasn't really known for it's um athleticism or athletics <laughs> not even neither of the academics is pretty sad at the time <laughs> and um uh played basketball for five years there and it's so funny when you when you look back because i'm 32 now and that was like 15 years ago plus you look back at it, it's like i remember the one thing that one of the uh, coaches uh told me and the teachers was that uh, there hadn't been a college player in 24 years developed from that. School. Really? Yeah. No way. And so I remember they told me when I was 15, and he told me, and in my head, I just said, "Well, I guess I'm going to be the first in 24 years." <laughs> it was just like my. It was like a fact at that point. Yeah, it was just like a response. And um, so played at John Oliver, uh, got a full scholarship to. Uh, Quest University just out of um, for first year 
Um, was going to play at Langara, but decided to go to this school because um, I knew the coach um, personally. He's a good friend of mine. And then uh, after that first year, um, I decided I wanted to, to do more and play play at a higher level. So um, trained my ass off and played for the University of Western Ontario the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, got recruited by them um, just through the grapevine. And then uh, came back from UWO um, uh, just because my mom got sick. So I uh, decided to stay in Vancouver. Wanted to go back, but stay, decided to stay in Vancouver. And um, I didn't think I was going to play college anymore because it was two weeks before uh, training camp usually started. And uh, lo and behold, I'm at uh, the drive, uh, drive basketball gym. And uh, jo- Jordan Yu, JY, was there. JY. Yeah. He's, he's our coach, uh, for those of you that don't know. And um, I was training, just continued to, just continued to train every single day. And he came up to me. He was like, he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Glenn. Like, Where'd you play? I was like, oh, I was at uh, UWO last year. He's like, are you playing next year? I'm like, no, I don't. I actually don't have a team. I think I'm going to sit the year out. He's like, nope, you're coming to uh, one of the guys. <laughs> Sign. <laughs> Sign here. No. Came to the trial and the rest is history. I played played at uh, Cap for two years. I played with you. Played That's what we were at, of, yeah. Yeah, played a bunch of homies. And I think... That was a great I, team, man. So much character on that team. I still oh, have that man. picture. Mike yeah. Zayans, Connor Mahana, Connor Lewis, a bunch of good guys. Even the coaches, Matias, JY, Christopher. Yeah. Cam Yates. Oh, so many guys. So many guys. And we were all like a close-knit Mm-hmm. bunch of guys too, so. yeah, so, man. don't forget Luke can't forget Luke James Long <laughs> James Long yeah um, <laughs> yeah I played, played there two years and I think that was after the first year was probably the hardest I've ever worked to achieve um, something in my life in terms of basketball mm-hmm. I I'll just well, I'll just go through the the story. I'm just kind of trying, trying to remember. Um, mm-hmm. after, after the first year at Cap, um, I decided that again I wanted to be a better basketball player. And looking back at it, it wasn't just a better basketball player. I think it, for me, it was just a better version of who who I was mm-hmm. and what I wanted to achieve, and to just be able to tell myself that I was good enough to to achieve these goals good enough to be a great basketball player. And so I made the decision that I was going to train um, every, pretty much every single day. Looking back at it, I would wake up at uh, 5 a.m. every single day. Um, I didn't have a car at the time, so I'd bust to the gym. And this was my schedule. I'd wake up at 5, get to the bus stop by like 5.45, 6 take the bus to the gym. It was Sunset Community Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me about an hour. This is like a bus, a SkyTrain, a bus, and then another bus. <laughs> I got there by like 6.57 every morning. And my goal is to shoot 500 shots every single day, whether it was you know jumpers, three-pointers, off screens, um, off the dribble, whatever it was, uh, free throws, anything. It was to... to to shoot 500 shots and I did that 
I actually did more. And I did that Monday to Friday. So I'd, I'd train from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I would work from 9 a.m. to 5. And then <laughs> bus and sky chain to my gym uh, to work out. So I lifted for about an hour, an hour and a half. And I just repeatedly did that. It's every day. Every single day, Monday to Friday. And then Saturday was like, you know, the men's leagues or just training mm-hmm. with the team. This is during the summer. Yeah, this is during the summer. Mm-hmm. And then our summer is about five months, five months long mm-hmm. um, before, before the preseason started. Um, I think, I can't even remember. I think I ended up shooting about 50,000 shots in the, in the five months. Mm-hmm. I exceeded the goal. That's wild. Yeah, it was, and it was a lot of, it was a lot of work. And <laughs> I remember the reason, the reason I did it was because I heard, uh, do you guys know, do you know who Les Brown is? I've heard the name. Yeah, you should, if anyone listening to this podcast, you should listen to him too. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll put it up in the comments later. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bunch of people, but Les Brown I listened to a lot back then, and mm-hmm. um, he said the difference between people that are uh, successful and unsuccessful is this word willingness. And what he meant by that is, um, so you have a goal or a promise to yourself. What are you? What are you actually willing to do to to go get it? Are you willing to wake up earlier than normal? Are you willing to go through a lot of mental, not just physical pain, because there's a lot of physical pain when you're going through the training, like the working out mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But Pushing also, your body. Yeah, it's it's not just the physical pain. It's, it was the mental pain of mm-hmm. when that alarm clock turned on. Are you willing to wake up at 5 o'clock? Are you willing to... Um, say no to the little voice in your head that says, just go back to sleep or mm-hmm. the, just turn the, just turn over and you can wake up in an hour. You'll just miss mm-hmm. one day. It's fine. It's just one day. doesn't matter. It's all good. It yeah. It doesn't matter. It's just one day. But then I listen to Eric Thomas too. who's another guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you miss just one day of training, that could push you back six months, a year, mm-hmm. two years. And you don't know, you don't know if that one day, and I had so many days in the morning where I'm there by myself, where I had so many aha moments, where mm-hmm. if I didn't go that day, I wouldn't have known that about myself. I wouldn't have known that about mm-hmm. my name. And so I never missed a single morning when I was doing that. And it was just because mm-hmm. I heard this one little thing that he <laughs> said, you could, you could push your goal or dream back six months, a year, two years, and I wasn't willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So he talked about willingness, Les Brown, and said, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to put in the time, the effort um, away from what you actually want to do, hang out with friends, whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. And so, Or is it on your priority list? Like how bad do you yeah, want it? Yeah, exactly. It's priority. It's not that I don't have time. It's, it's what is your priority? What is your number one priority? Mm-hmm. number one promise to yourself and so i did that and the next year i well i mean we played together i i felt mm-hmm. like i was a different man i was a different person playing you're a beast but, yeah, you're no man i remember physically i don't know if we ever spoke about this but um yeah. i wrote a little bit in the bio for this but i remember it was right around the time 
for me personally, where I realized you can't just go based on talent. Like mm-hmm. if you want to make something yourself, I think in every avenue of life, you got to do the work. You can't just mm-hmm. come in there with your pre-existing knowledge and thinking you got to step above the competition. It was around my second year at CAP, third year at yeah. CAP, where I realized you got to work. And oh yeah, and honestly, like I remember doing the work I thought was hard at the time, mm-hmm. and then seeing you freaking go. 10 levels above like if we were doing planks and i'm done and i think that's all my body could find and i see you still doing like four more sets i was like okay i guess i can do more like, like yeah. it really it really defined honestly seeing your work ethic I'm, i don't know if we ever talked about it, but yeah. seeing your work ethic really defined for me mm-hmm. that it's that you don't listen to your body like your mind dictates mind. how hard you can work yeah. like your body's capable of so much more than we can ever fathom and you yeah. see it to the extremes but if we talk about ball and college and, and, and all that, it's like you push yourself and you do a little workout and you think you did your thing. And then you, you see someone like you, or mm-hmm. I see someone like Zeon, or like all these great guys I had around me at the time. And Matias had a great influence on me, but I mm-hmm. saw work ethic in the gym and on the court and realized that, okay, you can do more. Not only you can do more, you, you can do a lot more. And, and then you can be satisfied. Like being satisfied with these little half hour, half ass workouts yeah. isn't going to cut it. Like, and uh, yeah, we, we never spoke about this, but but mm-hmm. I remember seeing and just like your your mentality and, and your I what I wrote in the thing, I, I really do believe that that unwillingness to to take no for an answer, like whatever you had on your mind that summer, mm-hmm. whatever you had on your mind that year was gonna happen. It was yeah. a full blown fact, like you were gonna yeah. make it happen, and, and that's so much stronger than you know all the physical side. Like if, if mm-hmm. you're gonna will yourself to make that thing happen. Yeah, and it was really cool to see. It's interesting for me if you wanted to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. the whole these haha moments. What was that like? It sounds really intriguing. Like what what well, met you along the way with that training? Uh, what I, well, what I meant by the aha moments is the when you're at when you're in the gym by yourself and you're shooting or doing dribbling drills or coming off screens. Or I remember I would put um, a big um, hockey net um, as my defender because you need to go wider. It, a chair to me wasn't enough, so I put this huge mm-hmm. hockey net because you go around it, right? It's a little wider. It's as if someone's shuffling, right? And so I had a lot of aha moments um, while I was training. Like, for example, it's it's little things. Okay, if I point my toes down when I shoot, the ball goes in more. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't jump forward, the ball goes in more. If I lower mm-hmm. my shoulder just another inch, I can go past my defender. If I shuffle this way and I push the ball forward and I do a reverse mm-hmm. layup rather than this, it, there's just so many things. And like I said, if you miss that one day of training, and this goes to all your viewers that are, it could be anything, basketball, if they're running a business, if they're whatever, it could be anything. If you miss that one day because you told sleep in or you chose not to go mm-hmm. it could mean the difference between six months a year two years pushing your goal back and i'll never forget mm-hmm. when i said that because it's so it's uh, just about to start again. it's so true. so true it's so true and so throughout that journey i think that i had the physical and um the practice side of things down and i had the certainty down with that but what I found difficult for me, and I, I think a lot of people go through this too, is the uncertainty during the games. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was 
I would get into my head too much. I would let fear take over. And when I look deep, deep, deep within, I think the number one thing for me that I cared about most was I cared too much about what other, what other people thought of me. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And then number two, I just felt like I wasn't enough. And that was not because of the coaching. It wasn't because of any of that. It was because of my own self-doubt that would creep into my brain before Mm -hmm. games. And um, I remember that year I played okay. I didn't play to my full potential. I know I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed in myself for that year and the stats that I put up, but I was proud of the fact that I knew that that was something I needed to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so I did the same thing the next year. My, <laughs> I did the exact same thing the next year because my next goal was to play for UBC. Mm-hmm. Like the next summer, right? That next off season, you mean? Yeah, the next off season. So from CAP to UBC. And so mm-hmm. I did the same thing every single day. Woke up at five, got to the gym at seven, worked from nine to five, worked out at the gym from uh, 5.36 to 7.38, got home, slept, did repeat, you know, and it was like clockwork. And I did that every single day. Um, walked on the team. Uh, J- J- uh, Jordan helped. He knew the, mm-hmm. the head coach, um, of course, because uh, he played there. And um, I walked onto the team. And again, for me, it was the mental thing. <laughs> there were some games. There were some games that I played well. I um, I can remember the specific game um, where I mean my stats weren't crazy. I had like maybe twelve points, mm-hmm. six assists or something like that. But it was one of the most memorable game memorable games for me, just because I remember at the buzzer I hit a three pointer, and I look up and my brother just got there in his police mm-hmm. uniform because <laughs> it's a cop. <laughs> And he was in the stands and he looked at me smiling. He's like, good shot. <laughs> That's just like a random game. But that was the that was one thing that I struggled with. And so I looked into it and I was just like, I, I always wondered why, why this was happening to me before games um, and sometimes during games. And so um, I looked to a mentor that I just came across um, like randomly, and it was Tony Robbins. I don't know if you guys know mm-hmm. Tony Robbins. Uh, he's just known for his um, psychological work with athletes mm-hmm. and just people in general. And um, one thing that, well, there's a lot of things that I took from him, but one thing that I really took from him was uh, being able to put yourself in a state of certainty. And mm-hmm. the way the way he explains it, is through visualization. And so before and after UBC, I did the same thing the next year <laughs> in terms of training uh, to go mm-hmm. play pro in the Philippines. Did that for, uh, actually, I'll get into that. I, I went to the Philippines. We'll get into everything more later too. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I went to the Philippines um, in search of a pro contract. Um, had an agent and everything, had everything set, uh, had my citizenship taken care of, all that stuff. I was there uh, for the trial. The coach wanted me to play on the team and everything. And then my citizenship didn't go through in time for the draft. No way. Yeah. So, and it was, 
I, I'm the only one to blame. It was it was just timing. I didn't know. I just didn't know at the time, and it was just timing. So my my yeah didn't go through in time for the draft. So I was sent home, and I remember feeling so like lost. I remember like crying in my like room alone and just like uh, believe in God and you can call him mm -hmm. or her whatever you want. But I was just like, <laughs> God, why would you? bring me to the Philippines and do all this stuff and train all these years, put all this time and effort into this and just take away my dream. I'm getting like emotional just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Just cause it was tough for me at the time. I felt super lost. Didn't know what I wanted mm -hmm. to do in my life. Um, was home, didn't have a job. Um, and to combat that, I remember waking up at five in the morning and just running, just going for mm -hmm. a run. And I would run up this hill um, on a boundary. Oh, no, sorry, Royal Royal Road in Burnaby. And it was just this mm -hmm. huge uphill battle. And it's just like a, a metaphor for what my life was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. And but I, I, I really did want to play pro. So mm -hmm. I kept on pushing. So you got back to van and like right back to training right back to training i remember mm. uh getting to I, I would train at bcit um just because it was closer to my house mm. and the gym was empty from six to eight so i pushed my um training time from six to eight instead of from seven to nine and mm. i'd be there every single morning and i look back at it and i think the number one thing that i and I have no regrets, obviously, but I think the number one mm. thing that I could have done differently is train with someone else because I was always alone. Mm. Um, I always trained by myself, but I found that if you train with others, like you said, it pushes you just a little bit, especially if you don't. Mm. Or especially if you're like, mm, I'll just half-ass this workout. No, there are other people mm. that push you. If you can get around four or five solid guys that are mm. better than you, uh, that are better than you and want to push you, Mm -hmm. It's like that saying: if you're the if you're the uh, smartest person in the room, <laughs> find new friends or something. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing, and so yeah, did all the training, and then uh, I I really do have uh, Clayton Crellin to thank um, for mm -hmm. pushing me to go back to the Philippines because I almost didn't, mm -hmm. and we played. Not giving up on it. Yeah, and he I almost did honestly I almost did because I was just so mm -hmm. mentally drained. And uh, he's, he went, and the thing I love about him is he's like, he's fearless when it comes to that stuff. He's just like, let's just go. I'm like, he went first and then I was like, okay. See what happens. Yeah. And then we, we got our, um, speak of the devil. He just shared something with me on my phone. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, he knows I'm thinking of him. <laughs> so he, you went in, you went in by yourself the first year, didn't work out. You guys both went in the second year, went together. Yeah. Went went together, played for the same team, and it was it was the funnest funnest experience. Um, biggest transition for me was just like the realization that this is real. I'm playing professional. I'm actually getting paid. I'm actually getting paid to play basketball. Cause that's the difference between amateur and the pros that mm -hmm. the amateurs the amateurs pay to play and then the pros get paid to play and yeah. i think i think that was when i finally realized wow i i i i actually did it and then 
but then you're, you're not sad. You know, you, I, you probably know, like you're not satisfied with just making it. What's the next one? Yeah. What's, so the next what's one? my next, what's my next step? What's my next, you know? Mm-hmm. And did uh, you find, did you find a way to like stop for a second though and kind of smell the roses like and enjoy that moment? Like after oh, yeah. all that hard work and all that hardship. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and Clay talked about it multiple times. We're like, yo, we're here. We're actually playing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're getting paid. This is sick. This is a dream of ours, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and again, it comes back to even, even then I was still struggling with the nerves. I was still struggling with the pressure, still struggling with self-doubt before games. And I really honed into a, you can call it like a message to yourself or meditation or an incantation mm-hmm. or whatever. But I would say this to myself every, before every single game. Um, it's possible to live my dream. It's necessary that I work on myself, surround myself with winners, become creative. It's me. I got to make it happen. It's not over until I win. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. I refuse to be a common man. It's my right to be uncommon if I can. To seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish to be kept citizen, humbled, and dull by having the state look after me. I wish to take the calculated risk, the dream to build, to fail, to succeed. I refuse to live from hand to mouth. I prefer the challenges of life to the mere guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the still calm of utopia. And I would fucking repeat oh! that in my every single game before the game i'll jump up and down i'll do my breathing exercise and i'll visualize the ball going into the hoop i'd visualize my defender not having a chance to defend me i would visualize these things and it would come true and i had the most that's what put me in the state of certainty it put me in a state of certainty that i knew that i was going to win and i always think of um mike tyson you know mike tyson mm-hmm. obviously when he's like mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, no, the best boxes, never hit. He's like, I before I got into the ring, I already knew I won, and I remember when I heard him, I, I, I'm not at, I was never at his level of certainty, but I got a, an inkling of what he meant by that, because mm-hmm. before we got into the court, I knew that we were gonna win. I knew how the battle is won before you even get started. Yeah, exactly, because. It's always, man, I always found it that it was a battle between me and me, <laughs> mm-hmm. always. And that was my way of getting into state, into that state of certainty is to mm-hmm. say that to myself and visualize and just be in my own world before the, before the game started. And mm-hmm. That's huge because that's, that's exactly what this whole mental training, mental coaching, performance coaching is, is like you can be yeah. the most talented in the world but if you're yes. not able to bring it to the court and you're just yes. just talent it's just potential sitting in the background yeah exactly. it's not really making a difference right it's finding that way and you've done it spectacularly we're finding that visualization and finding that state of mind and that yeah. verse i was amped listening to you say it, man, yeah, I'm, ready it's to now. I'm right here i'm ready to play like um <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's finding that those ways to, to bring that potential outwards, right? Not just yeah. being a good practice player where there's no one in the crowd and, and you can be, you know, hitting 10 for 10 and, and, and putting up numbers, but that yeah. doesn't really matter. Can you do it when the pressure's on? Can you do it when the lights exactly. are on? Can you do it yeah. last minute of the game? Can you do it if you're a little bit injured? Can you do it yeah. if you got, I know personally, like in, in pro ball, there's, there's, there's a whole other side that a lot of people don't get to to, to experience and, and see where it's like with management and contracts and all this yeah. pressure stuff yeah. that 
in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to deal with it, but that's in the background as well. Can you perform now that your agent's been calling you for the last couple of weeks or the management's acting up or whatever, for whatever reasons they may have, can you yeah. still bring those results for it? That's where that mental side comes about. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Um, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just in awe of the story. Like it's such a crazy road and it was, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we did it beyond the value that it will have for people just, just getting to know you more personally and, and hearing that it's such a cool story. Yeah. Um, I would say like, like how, how do you think that discipline, like how, how do we cultivate that? Like, how do we get to that point where, and I'm guessing from summer to summer, it's gone easier. Like you could, like at, at some point it must've been like, like automatic because you've been doing it for so long. Obviously there's still that challenge of getting up and turning off that little voice in our head, but yeah. how do we cultivate that, that muscle that we call self-discipline yeah. because who, who like you knows the, the value that it has, not only as a player and a pro athlete, but in life in general. Yeah. I think, um, to, it's it's like you said it's like a muscle right mm -hmm. the more you the more you flex it and the more strain that you put on it the stronger it gets and to be able to cultivate that self-discipline i think you really have to know why why you're doing it mm -hmm. why why will you wake up in the morning before the sun gets up, uh, before everyone else gets up, why are you dedicating hours and why, why are you dedicating your, you're literally trading your life for this passion of yours, for this sport. Mm -hmm. So why are you literally going to trade your time and, and life on this planet for this sport? What, what is that reason? And for me, I really, really fell in love with, I know it sounds weird, but I really, really fell in love with the pain and the, mm -hmm. the hardship and how hard it was to do something that most people aren't willing to do and be mm -hmm. able to say that I conquered my mind. I conquered my mind multiple, multiple times over and over and over again. It has no control over me. I control my mind. It is mm -hmm. not the controller of me. And when you have that empowering feeling, it gets stronger and stronger, just like a muscle. And mm -hmm. when, when you, I think for, it became automatic because I did it so much. And, it, and I know a lot of people here listening, like if you work out every single morning, if you, if you play a sport, you, it was weird not to go train at, at one point. It felt born for my body not to go to the gym and shoot. It felt mm -hmm. born for my body not to go work out as if it was, well, I'll never say it was easy, but it got- It's become easy. a part of you. Like, yeah. like once you do sign, there's the whole, you know, 90 day rule and all that. To become, yeah, whatever to become it, a habit. Yeah, it's it became a part it of you. you. It, it could be 21 days, it could be 90 days, it mm -hmm. could be whatever. It's not, it doesn't matter how many days it is. It's just when you feel in your heart, soul, and mind, that this is now a part of your of mm -hmm. your existence. But it's the same. It's the same principle: use it or lose it. The less you use it, the, the faster you lose it. Mm -hmm. And so, you you work this muscle. It's like working out. It's like you 
you work the muscle. If you don't work the muscle, you lose it. It's the same thing with discipline. Like you're not gonna keep those results. You're not gonna keep those gains. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, gonna, it's gonna go away fast too. Like who knows that if you're in shape and if you don't do anything for a week now, whatever you yeah. built up in six months will yeah. go away like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so annoying how it's like that. It's like you work so freaking hard together and then you like it's gone yeah. like a week. Keeps you on your point. Keeps you on your toes. I love that man because there's, there's this great sentence of of uh, figure out your why and the how will take care of itself. Like oh, if you're yeah. really keen on your why and you know exactly and you can really be specific about it, yeah. the how will, you'll find a way. Like there's always a way you'll find there's that always, how. There's always a way. And mm -hmm. there's there's always an answer. It's like this, this too shall pass. It's like whatever pain you're in, this too shall pass. You'll always find a way, you'll always find an answer if you're willing to look for it and mm -hmm. what you're focusing on. But and I love that thing about falling in love with the hardship. Like I've talked about it in a few episodes where mm -hmm. um, just training, I've talked about like with, with weight training, like just training your mind to enjoy that last rep. Yeah. Like that, if you, do, if you do 10 reps and you're done, that 11th rep will have more one value more. than <laughs> one more. Yeah. Than calls, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not even the physical, it's the mental. Right. It's like, I don't think I can that, do it. And then you do it again, you do one more rep and you're like, oh, wow. Well, I probably could have done four more actually. But Right? That 11th rep will hold more value than those past 10. Yeah. Because it's teaching your brain to go past that threshold. Yes, like you're saying, exactly. when it's under runs, when it's waking up at 5 a.m., yeah. when it's pushing that last rep, it's almost like training your mind to, to do beyond what it thinks it's capable of. And it's yeah. like, it's as if that muscle of like surprising yourself and knowing what you're really capable of and how much, like you said, maybe I can do four more. Yeah. Like, 100%. the body's capable of so much more. Yeah. And, and, it's a, and the same thing, it is a muscle. It's, it's you push yourself past that threshold where you think mm -hmm. that's your limit, but really you have you have more in your tank. And everyone that's listening to this can attest that at some point in their life, they had that moment of, wow, I did more than I thought I could. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm capable of more. Sometimes I'm not in my power. Sometimes I'm out of out of certainty. Sometimes I'm not in a good state. And that's what that's why it happens. And that's why it's super mm -hmm. important to be able to to flex that muscle of certainty through whatever for me it was visualization and just saying that to myself it could be different for everyone whatever it is that gets you into that state of certainty that's why i really recommend uh the book any book by tony robbins or mm -hmm. uh, just listening to them um i always listen to them in my car it's just like they call it a drive a drive by university I'm just like <laughs> i'm just used to listen that's to cool yeah. Was it a podcast, Drive-By University? What is it? No, no, they just go to it when you're driving. Oh, like to listen to books yeah. on the road? Listen to, yeah, this is something that... Yeah, no doubt. Feeds your brain or something. That's cool. No, man, super cool. Like, just, just working that muscle. If we go on to the next thing and we talk a little bit about pressure, um, yeah. not just as an athlete, but off the court too, like where you meet it in, in your work settings and in life throughout... How would you define that first and foremost? How do you define pressure? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I think uh, pressure is this feeling that comes about when you are very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. When you feel 
when you feel like there it is when you when you feel uncomfortable and you know you're just about to pass a certain threshold there is that's when you know there is pressure put on you mm-hmm. and it, like this, this quote just came up in mind it's like through pressure through pressure through hard pressure that's how you create diamonds mm-hmm. through adversity <laughs> and through adversity yeah and there's another quote that just came to me. Uh, do you know Wayne Dyer? He mm-hmm. said that um, when it's like an orange, if you squeeze an orange, orange juice will come out. And the guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, when there's pressure applied to somebody, when there's true pressure applied to somebody, what is inside them will come out. Mm-hmm. What is truly inside them will come out. They can the say, true self. They can mm-hmm. say they're an apple. But orange juice will come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, good. I like that. Yeah, for sure. That's what, You'll that's see the true person come out. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And that's, are you going to break? Are you going to push through it? Are you going to do what you said you were going to do, you, you set out to do? Exactly. And mm-hmm. it's like you can say it, you can say it all day long, but when, when, time, when push comes to shove, what are you going to do when there's pressure? What are you going to do when there is actual um, this uncomfortable like holy uncomfortable feeling that you can feel in your gut the real pressure comes that's when you really know who you who you truly are mm-hmm. like i said in the beginning i think this this journey that we're on in life is just a question of who is glenn who is sean who am i mm-hmm. what am i really capable of and what mm-hmm. am i what am, why am i on this planet what am i supposed to do what's my purpose mm-hmm. This ongoing process, right? Like whenever yeah. I always love the sentence, like there is no finish line. Yeah, Thinking exactly. that one day it's gonna be done and you're just gonna sit feet up. Like it's not. It's that continuous growth of yeah. that looking inwards and, and keep finding out new things and keep finding out new methods of development. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. with that pressure, with that pressure, like how how would you deal with it? Would it would it be on professional? What methods would you use? Would it on or off the court to, to still perform it at your highest level? Like, like I said, it was the, it was the, the visualization of mm-hmm. what I wanted, and the consistent working of that muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, visualization, you can call it meditation, you can call it anything, but uh, to me, it was my form of meditation before um, a game was to be played mm-hmm. when the pressure was on. So before I, I did fold, but now. Being able to really, really own in on who I was as a person and what I needed to work on. Mm-hmm. The sport—it's never about this. The sport—it's about you. It's about who you're mm-hmm. going into, who you're going to become. And that's why I, I love, like, I love sport in general, any sport, because it really pushes you to become someone that you're meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how, yeah, that's how I dealt with the pressure. It was through that visualization and getting into that state of certainty uh, before every game. And mm-hmm. you, you can do that for anything, anything. In life. Yeah. yeah. What would you visualize specifically if it was before a game? I visualize certain, like, you know how you have, how you have your go-to moves? Mm-hmm. Also, we're in your spots on the floor yeah yeah I, I would visualize 
uh, my go-to moves with the defender in front of me. And sometimes I, I would picture the other team who I knew would guard me in front of me and visualize him. If I, you know, cross over to the left, he'd go to the right. Just things like that. I'd close my eyes mm -hmm. and I'd visualize the ball go in constantly. Mm -hmm. I'd visualize myself uh, playing defense. You'd visualize yourself either directly through your own eyes or you can visualize yourself indirectly as if a spectator. So I would mm -hmm. do both. I would do both to get myself into an absolute state of certainty when I did that. And you got it. And for me, I, I had to do both. If I did just one, it, it would be a little more difficult. But everyone's different. You can you can do one, you can do both. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's super cool, yeah. yeah. I remember at the beginning where I would start doing it, I would always visualize the, the positive things that can happen, like me scoring or us winning the game or whatever. Yeah. And then... At some point, I remember where I heard it, but I, um, I start visualizing the failures too, because those are going to mm -hmm. come up throughout a game or throughout life. Right. And how do you deal with that? Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd visualize like a like a no call or something, or I'd visualize a bad foul call, or or an aggressive like someone, you know, um, what's it called? Like hacker shacking me or whatever. Like an aggressive right. foul. Right. Like, how do you respond? Do you right. break now? Do you do you point your energy at the refs or at the other team or do you right. consistently stay focused on your task and on your goal? So true. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah What's so that? True. No, it's so true. It, during the game, you're going to be pushed off that certainty. I, I just mm. thought now you, you triggered it. <laughs> you're going to be pushed off that certainty. And, and when there is a bad call or when the, when the ball doesn't go in, when you thought it was going to go in, it's how you react to those failures as if they mm -hmm. were successes. And that's, again, that's pressure too. That's pressure too. That's, mm -hmm. that's where you really find out who you are when things don't go your way. Mm -hmm. In the method that we work with, it's called uh, FTC. It's uh, mm -hmm. like I, I told you about Odette Kravchik, the, the guy that uh, he works with Omri Kaspi, the Israeli NBA player. And that's how I got to get to know him and, and start working with him and learn his methods, doing his courses on, it's time of FTC is freedom to choose. Like at any given point in life, mm -hmm. you have the right, you have the only, how do you call it in English? Um, you have no control over your life. Like anything can happen. You know, it, it's God, it's, it's right. this greater force, whatever you want to call it, you know, the universe, energy. Right. Um, the one thing you have control of always is your thoughts. Like how do you respond yeah. to what yeah. happens? And in that situation, for example, in a game, like a ref would make a bad call and you'd have a no call. You can now respond by being upset. You can be on the bench now being mm -hmm. upset and kind of getting that negative, mm -hmm. you know, um, wheel going. And mm -hmm. now you're back in the court and you're playing not as well as you would have beforehand. Yeah. Or you can catch it right at that point. And, and yeah. that's what we were talking about, visualizing, like right. not to get thrown off that path. And right. and still now I got the freedom to choose. I got I got I can control my thoughts and how do I respond, stay on that track, kind of thing. So even if I'm on the bench, I'm positive. Even if it be at work or in my career and something bad happened, I'm still positive. I'm still working towards my goal. I'm not right. falling off track and, and now beginning this negative cycle where when right. I get back on the court, I'm gonna perform negatively. Like I'm still right. on that right on that path. It's super cool. Yeah. Um if we we touch on um, self-doubt. I know it, it it meets all of us at some point in our lives. Like nobody's perfect and 100% confident, you know, all throughout. And um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. You did touch on it before. Yeah. Um, where has it met you and, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, 
we're all human and everyone has that self-doubt at some point in their well with anything in their career that's for mm-hmm. years specifically for basketball and um it always you just you're saying self-doubt what what really the antithesis of self-doubt is confidence mm-hmm. and so i when i was at university of western ontario there was this um it's so crazy how these things just trigger uh, certain thoughts <laughs> um mm-hmm. one second you feel like you're back there right yeah um, oh. i got it i got it i was thinking i think of this there was this plaque that was just above the um door of our locker room and it said um preparation breeds confidence mm-hmm. and the antithesis of self doubt is confidence and again certainty. And so, when I prepared, when I prepared before the game, when I prepared myself uh, mentally, not just physically, but when I prepared myself mentally before the game through again through my visualizations, through my meditation, through my uh, through my um, incantation or my saying my <laughs> first I, I can't even talk that mantra almost right mantra, you know what's right. It. that mm-hmm. mantra it's it pushed the self-doubt aside mm-hmm. uh, it put me in, into that state of absolute certainty and that's how i dealt with it before games and i do that and it's crazy because you you can i i really did carry on the self-discipline the dealing with pressure the 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 self-doubt i really uh battling the self-doubt i really carry that into my like everyday life even to mm-hmm. and i because of basketball i i am very disciplined with everything i do like i have a morning routine where i wake up um i stretch for 30 minutes without like i have to stretch for 30 minutes i have to take a cold shower i have to do my breathing every morning um, I have to do my goals and gratitudes, my visualizations. I have to do that every single morning. And it's become like a part of me now. And I brought mm-hmm. that, that um, self-discipline and being able to knock away the self-doubt for anything uh, through that exact same process. And mm-hmm. you, and again, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the, the, the stronger you, you become and the easier it feels. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy how it how it it tra- it translates into into the real world. That's what I, mm-hmm. I love. That's what I say. I love sport. I love what it does for people and what it did for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the thing that they wrote? Uh, I believe that so much too that they wrote about the lo- above the locker room. There, what was the sentence? Was it Western? It was University of Western Ontario. Yeah, it, above the above the locker it was this purple. I could see it. It was this purple like plastic square is, is engraved with uh, preparation breeds confidence mm-hmm. and the more you prepare and that could be in any way it could be physical but for me it was the mental preparation mm-hmm. that i needed to, to 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 do in order to feel confident and so when that self-doubt creeped in you were already armed you know i've done the work like i've already taken the shot yeah i've already made this move i've already been this especially with the visualization like you said before i've already been here 
Like yeah. I know how to respond to the situation. I've gone through it in my head. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I tell the kids I work with all the time, whether it be in English or in math or in ball mm-hmm. or in, in any sport, it's like you can't come to the game expecting to succeed having not done the work. Yeah. It's like, like it where would make- your confidence stem from? Yeah, like what you expect to make the shot, you expect to make the kick yeah. without having practiced it. Yeah. The whole thing of preparation and, and doing yeah. the work prior to the competition, prior to the test, prior to oh, whatever yeah. it may be in, in career and work. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. yeah, It comes to mind. One of my friends told me, he's like, um, I can't remember. It was just this professional athlete, uh, football player. player. Mm -hmm. And um, he was getting paid, I think this was like 10 years ago. I think he was was getting paid like a ridiculous amount of money. Let's say like 30 million, like a a season. Mm. And there were a lot of um, like people, like haters. That said, oh, he doesn't deserve that money. It's his first year. He's a rookie, all that stuff. And then I remember him saying, dude, he's not getting paid for that year of Mm -hmm. professional, man. He's getting paid for all the years before that, Mm -hmm. that he didn't see any result, monetarily at least. Mm-hmm. all the work he put in that he's getting paid for that he's not getting paid mm-hmm. right now for his for being pro he's getting paid all for those years all that, those, all that put in yeah and when he said that i, I got like, goosebumps yeah so true man. 100%. so true because we all we live in a world of immediate gratification you know you work mm-hmm. two weeks you get paid two, whatever but sometimes the result won't show up for a two years, mm. three years, four years, five years, six, seven, eight years, nine years, 10 years. You have to have that mindset that it might take a decade. Right. And think of like, I think of Giannis, Giannis. Adetokounmpo, yeah. He's got a crazy story too, yeah. Yeah. And like a water boy. Yeah. Like I look back at when he first started in the league and it was nine years when he won his championship right nine years years. and think about how many years in greece i think before he even got to the league right just working on himself and and how nobody's going to celebrate your process that's you maybe your close ones maybe your loved ones maybe your dog but other than that like nobody's going to celebrate you along the way once you get there people are going to start taking notice but exactly you got to be able to and that's why i think what you said before i love it i have it written down on my wall like like figure out your why and the how will take care of itself. When you're so clear about your why, yeah. nothing can stand in your way. When that context is so vivid and so strong, yeah, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And then you're enjoying that process. You're not kind of like you said, we all have those mornings where we're working against ourselves and we're kind of our own worst enemy. Yeah. But you always come back to that context and come back to that why. Right. It makes it easier. Yeah, exactly. No, I see it. The last I see, I'm being conscious of the time. Maybe we'll get this in too, just really quickly, like a couple minutes. Like, how do you continue this process today now that you're not playing and you got your career and you got your business and everything? How do you continue that process today of, of bettering yourself and, and still building that self-discipline? And right. Um, yeah, like I, like I said, I have a I have a morning routine that I like I have to do every single morning: mm-hmm. stretching, cold shower, the breathing the goals and gratitudes and then the visualization of those goals and gratitudes every single morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, like I said, it puts me into this state of certainty and I'm just like, it just makes me happier in the morning. <laughs> I just like mm -hmm. feel good when I do it. And um, it's, it's repeat, repeat, repeat. You just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Consistency. Um, consistent. Yeah, exactly. Consistently and consistency. Mm -hmm. That's what, and that's how I brought it into my life, into my business. Um, certain goals and, or I call them promises. Um, one my, I like that. Yeah, one of my, well, I got it. I didn't make it up. One of my mentors, he's a hedge fund manager. Um, I think he, he manages like a ridiculous amount of money, and that's where I want to get to because he's he's it's not only just like it's the person he is. He's just like such an honest man, mm -hmm. and that's that's the type of people I want to be around. Like I said, if you can surround mm -hmm. yourself with people that are better than you, that are um, more disciplined than you, that are better with their money, that are, um, I don't know, have really good relationships with their spouses or have really big businesses. If you can get around people that are mm. better than you, it, it, it literally forces you to um, push yourself even more. Mm. And that's another, again, like I said, it's another thing that um, encourage everyone listening to do is to get around four or five people mm -hmm. that, that you show me your friends i'll show you your future yeah exactly 100 percent. yeah I, yeah yeah so true and um that's cool yeah and to answer your question that's good that's dope yo maybe um what maybe i'm creating it right now the next podcast we'll do will be about uh investing and about financial and, and that whole mental side yeah. of that You'll continue yeah. to grow your business, and the next one we'll do will be on that. I'm, I'm yeah. into it too. Like since Corona, I've been I've been joining, I've been keen into that world, and we can do it. I think that'd be a really cool conversation. Oh, I'm down. I'm down. I'm I'm I'm, I'm starting with the with the companies to become one of the one of the, they call them coaches, like mm. teachers, coaches, and so um, just waiting to get the training for that. So I'd love to. Mm -hmm. uh, share with you guys what I what I what I learned cool. from you. yeah yeah let me know we'll be in touch we'll be we'll be in constant touch now now yeah. that we've kind of rekindled our romance um <laughs> the last two questions I always I always touch on I always love to ask the first one is how do you define um performance and success either or both how do I how do I define performance and success yeah like two um, different definitions I'd say hmm, performance is you being able to do something here, yeah, here some, something being able to do something certain um, to the best of who you are, to the best of mm -hmm. your ability. That is your performance. That is your peak performance. Mm -hmm. Um, and my definition of success, that's to me, I think my definition of success, so I'll explain why, um, this goes back to Tony Robbins too, again, there's a, mm -hmm. there's six, there's six human needs. Uh, have you heard of them? Mm -hmm. uh, I think so. Um, so there's, uh. Six human needs, four of the personality and two of the spirit. 
So four of the personality are certainty, uncertainty. So, um, or variety. So let's say you sit in the chair, you want to know that the chair is going to stay. hold you. Yeah. Hold you. you want a building, you know that the building's not going to crash. Mm -hmm. um, God's funny this way where he makes it like you need the certainty, but you also need the uncertainty. And you need mm -hmm. the variety, or else you just go crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so the switch up of a routine or whatever, that's what. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's um, uh, significance. So the feeling of being significant, feeling that you're different, feeling that you're one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And then the, the need of love, to, whether it's from your creator, from God, from uh, the people around you, from your spouse, from your siblings, from your parents. So those are the four needs of the personality. And the two needs of the spirit are growth and contribution. So my definition of success is when I'm growing into mm -hmm. Glenn, into who I'm supposed to be. And when you're giving, when you're giving not only to yourself, but to others. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is my definition of success. That's cool, man. That's awesome. We talked a little bit on the phone about it too, and and yeah, yes. that whole giving without expecting anything in return is oh, so yeah. huge, and yeah. it makes sense, man. Knowing you, it makes sense that that's how you you would define success, and, and yeah, <laughs> really, really want to acknowledge you for the for the person you are, man. And and it's cool that through this we've we've kind of reconnected, and and we're yeah. gonna stay in touch now. And it's been years, and how time flies, man. Since those days at Cap and. So many yeah. great people I've met from there. Honestly, I've I've had a couple teams, whether it be in college or in in the pros here, where it's funny. It's like the season was whatever, but the people yeah. I met on that team like have become my friends for life. Whether it be that yes. year at Cap yeah. and there was yeah. a year out here as well, where where honestly we didn't have a great year. We're one of the worst teams in the league that year, but the people I met that year have become like five, six of them have become some of my best friends. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, how it turns out. And yeah, I just really want to acknowledge you for the for the type of person you are and for coming on. And and I learned a lot from you just being around you, man. And and I know your your spouse now and, and your future kids and all the people that you're gonna to touch throughout your life and throughout your work and whether it be in training or in, in capital management and everything or through this podcast or whatever you choose to do in mm -hmm. the future has a huge impact, man. You're one of those people that with with just a few words or simple action can can cause cause a big change man. and and, yeah. and I really appreciate you yeah thank you Sean thank That's you cool, thank man. you for the words huh <laughs> thank you for the words <laughs> no, I appreciate it yeah it's about an hour thanks for you joining us whoever whoever joined us live and, and took part in that and whoever's gonna listen to this in the future mm -hmm. uh, if you found value in this episode for yourself if you can imagine a person in your lives that you could you could give this value to and can gain a lot of value and and a positive impact from this episode i urge you to share and and follow us uh i have all the all the different platforms on the post and thank you for joining us and thanks glenn man it's been a pleasure till next time yeah thanks sean appreciate it i appreciate you man thank you that's all for this episode of School Performance. Thank you for joining us all the way to the end. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something from this conversation into your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with one or two people, with your followers, or with anyone that this episode can add value to. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the next episode of School of Performance.